0: Listen to something fresh Listen to Salaam Media Welcome back to The Special Focus. Welcome back to Salah Media. I'm Zahid Jadwit and we are together until 4pm this afternoon. So today we are discussing the role of the press and the media in South Africa. As a source of information for the public and in some cases even playing the role of public watchdog, the media has been a crucial part of democracy. Now if the media is honest and committed in its job, democracy is bound to function more efficiently and the loopholes present in any democratic system can certainly be plugged to the fullest satisfaction of The people. On the contrary, however, if the media is biased, corrupt, and favors only a particular party or few individuals, it can. Proved to be very dangerous for the smooth functioning of demac- democracy. So, basically, the backbone of any democracy is an independent, professional, and responsible media. So, to find out more about the role of the media in South Africa, we have um, a good panel this afternoon. We are joined firstly by Professor Anton Haber, who is an adjunct professor of journalism at the University of the Witwatersrand. He is also a columnist for the Business Day and the co editor or author of three other books. Welcome to the show, sir. Uh,
1: Thank you very much, and it's a great pleasure to join you this morning. Mm
0: -hmm. And we also have Kate Skinner. She is the Executive Director at the South African National Editors Forum, SANEF.
2: Hi, great to be here.
0: And finally, we have Miss Mary Papaya. She is, in fact, a board member of the South African Press Council. Thank you for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Professor harbor let's start with you. Um, What has been the role of the media throughout history in South Africa?
1: Well, that's a very broad question. We have, uh, you know, 250 years of history, uh, which you're asking me to sum up our eyes really briefly. The media has played many different roles at different times. There was media that aided, abetted and supported apartheid and encouraged the ignorance required to keep people under that system. Uh, there was media that challenged uh, apartheid and uh, racial discrimination before that. Um, there's been media that's taken the state on directly, playing a watchdog role in um, in, in trying to uh, make those with power accountable for their actions and those in office accountable for their actions. And, of course, there's been a lot of media which has been pure entertainment mm-hmm. um, and which has mixed up news and
0: entertainment. Okay, Um, now let's now bring in Moskina. How important is it for the media industry to exist and to function in a democracy?
2: So the media is absolutely critical for democracy, um, and as you're saying, um, it, it's very important that it operates in a particular way. That it is um, responsible; uh, it's not captured by particular interests. Um, and I think that you know, if you're looking at democracy, one of the most critical roles is obviously during elections. Um, you know, the media plays a really important role in terms of different political parties. Um, you know, citizens understanding you know what those stand for, and then and then you know, hopefully voting because they have proper information. and then obviously you know in, in terms of a particular crisis situations, such as, as you know, our COVID-19 crisis, I mean, the, the media plays an even more important role in terms of putting information out there so that people understand you know, what the risks are, how to contain the vi- virus, et cetera. So, so yes, I mean, overall, what, you need to, what, what I need to say is that the media plays an absolutely critical role in terms of informing people um, so that they understand what, what's happening in their society.
0: Mm-hmm. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, the backbone of any democracy is an independent, a professional and a responsible media. For the media to be credible, it has to take responsibility for getting its facts right. Do we really have that in South Africa, Ms. Papaya? Absolutely. I think um, we've seen many
3: instances in the recent past where media has um, made mistakes and have come forward and have taken responsibility for it. In fact, one of the greatest responses to um, stories that um, did cause problems was um, uh, SANAF initiating its uh, commission into credibility and ethical media. That commission uh, is headed by Judge Kathy Satchel. I think overall we've seen an incredible response to media working very hard at making sure that the facts are put out and that information, particularly at this time around COVID-19, is uh, is put out in a responsible manner. We've seen a rise in initiatives to combat fake information. That certainly, from our perspective, shows that we're on a positive trajectory to make sure that credibility remains the cornerstone of news that is accurate, fair and
1: truthful.
0: And um, has the media been able to exercise its function freely in South Africa? Do we have an independent press? Ms.
3: Absolutely. We've certainly seen uh, incredible shifts. Um, if we look at what's happening at the moment now, um, it's a very difficult time, and certainly time of crisis. And we've seen uh, media being able to do their work. I think Kate will also and Professor might share with you some of the examples that they've experienced where there have been instances where media did feel um, that, their, that their areas of operation have been infringed on and these were immediately raised and, and um, there was a corrective action taken. For instance, from a reporting on the COVID-19 virus, we saw that media had a problem getting access to the real statistics um uh, initiatives from media perspective made sure that these were communicated to the the government communication system as well as the health ministry and that kind of role of of collaboration with uh, incredible uh, understanding for the independence of media was put forward and that situation improved to make sure that uh, journalists were reporting effectively and enhancing the effective strategies that are needed for dealing with um, the social, the physical, and the general disruption that COVID 19 has
0: caused. Ms. Mm. Um, Skinner, what are some of the challenges that reporters face in South Africa? Um, any incidents thus far?
2: Yes, I mean, there have been quite a lot of incidents that we have picked up as, as, as standards. So, for instance, there have been some problems with the police um, and the security authorities at various levels. So the Army, staff, some police services, um, also the Metro Police. So they all, all operate together, but they are, you know, um, separate um, entities. Um, and so we've had, you know, seen a lot of, well, not a lot, but, but some harassment. Um, of journalists and journalists not being able to play their key role. Um, And, you know, particularly during lockdown, it's been absolutely critical that journalists are able to go into informal settlements, into townships, be able to tell the stories of what's happening. Some of those stories obviously have been quite critical stories. Uh, They have been stories about the fact that it's very difficult um, for the security authorities to actually ensure that there's physical distancing, that people stay at home. Um, And that's just because of the nature of, obviously, townships and informal settlements. It's very difficult. Um, But those stories need to be told. Um, And in certain instances, um, we've seen that, that, um, you know, the army etc have not been happy and have tried to to um, harass journalists and stop them from covering those stories. Uh, so we as Sanif have been absolutely clear that that is unacceptable contrary to our regulations that are in place, contrary to our constitution and so we, we've, we've come back hard saying journalists have got to be out there reporting.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay so Then we will speak about the lockdown and how important the media is in terms of the lockdown because, of course, that is why one of the reasons why the media is listed as an essential service um, that is supposed to operate during this lockdown. But Professor Harbour, how does the media shape the public's views and opinions? And when does it become too dangerous?
1: I'm sorry, I didn't quite hear you there. Could you repeat
0: that question? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I was saying that um, how does the media shape the public's views and opinions? Because the media, I'm sure, is very, very influential. and it. So what does the media, how does it shape the public's views and opinions?
1: Well, um, the media is very influential in how people um, see the world, um, naturally, because first of all, the media tends to set the agenda. It tends to define what it is that is on our minds that we're talking about, that we're thinking about what's in the news. Uh, But secondly, it's the the news media that decides what we know about that topic in order to engage with it Mm -hmm. Um, and makes the selections of information that uh, inform us in dealing with those. So the media can't tell us what to think, uh, but it can certainly guide what we think about it and what we know when we think about it. So in that sense, it, you know, we've, we've seen its importance, particularly in in, in recent weeks, uh, because we can see that when uh, misinformation or disinformation is spread accidentally on purpose, on issues, for example, like the COVID virus, then it actually can kill people. It can actually endanger lives and endanger our society and social structure. So it, it, it can do an enormous amount of damage as well as good.
0: Mm-hmm. That's actually a very important point which you make there, that um, we, ha- we, are in the in, um, we are definitely dealing with misinformation that is out there, or fake ne- news, you could say. How are we actually combating this problem? It, sh- it, it, it would appear to be a problem from within, so how is the media actually fighting this misinformation?
1: Um, well, let me say that um, I wish I could be as um, upbeat and optimistic as, uh, as my colleague Mary. Uh, we are facing an onslaught of mis- and disinformation, and then we differentiate between those.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But a misinformation often is the result of, say, an error or a miscommunication. And uh, professional journalists and media then fix and correct that and make that right. Um, but we have uh, around the world an onslaught of disinformation, which is purposeful, um, abusive, malign attempts to mislead, um, whether it's by um, those who just try to make mischief, whether it's by foreign governments trying to cause disruption uh, among their rivals and enemies, or whether it's presidents who just, uh, to ensure their re-election, are prepared to mislead and misguide. Um, it's a very serious problem. It's particularly serious in an area of social media where the social media platforms are not taking sufficient responsibility for the dissemination of deliberate, malign disinformation.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Sorry, may I just
3: um, respond to that, Uh, Professor Haber? My context of response was on the South African scenario. Um, I do agree with you on what the prognosis and the the, um, information regarding disinformation, misinformation, and to a degree fake news from an international standpoint and position uh, means. But certainly under the South African context, um, I think um, from a COVID-19 perspective, certainly we've seen incredible um, uh, value taken to make sure that the news that is coming across is fair and truthful and honest.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Ms Papaya, could we just get a clearer view of your thoughts on misinformation and fake news as it is in itself? Do you think that we are actually fighting an enemy from within as the media?
3: I, I don't think that we, we we were at that point, as Professor Harbour is, gave a fair overview of what the international position is and the kinds of... Um, um, indecisiveness the that we're seeing across the board the kinds of um, um, uh, platforms that have arisen i mean we've heard internationally of of, of a special farms being churned up to put up this kind of information but if we bring it back to the South african situation, i think an incredible uh, development in the past few weeks has certainly been a platform called the real four one one campaign now if we if we strategically define where is the fake news emanating from in the South African context. We will see that it is online. We've seen information being spread across uh, social media platforms, we've seen information that is considered misinformation being turned around WhatsApp groups and so on and so forth, linked to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Now, the real 411 platform that has emanated and which, by the way, was in in form at the time of the election has brought about a sense of of making sure that information is verified. So reviewers will sit down when the complaints are channeled through. They'll look at it. They'll use different mechanisms to look at, at, uh, to define what is fake and what is um, real and that uh, is, is, is responded to. So let's look at where the media in South Africa sits at the moment. I think newsrooms are working over time across all sectors, um, from uh, different platforms, radio, print, and television. Um, apart from the news and the actual pandemic in the country, we've seen incredible shifts in analysis, in commentary, and we must understand there's voluminous data out there uh, on social media. The credible journalism has played its part. Uh, we've seen in instances where there have been mistakes. Um, the media entities have come out. They've taken responsibility for that.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, we've seen responsible reporting across all entities. And, and Kate mentioned a whole host of stories that we've seen coming out. So from that perspective, I think there's been incredible um, uh, foresight to work beyond what is uh, defined fake misinformation and um, uh, disruption
0: Mm. okay let's move on now Um, kate let's just see quickly what is the role of the press and the media as a watch watchdog when it comes to reporting on politicians for example in a democracy
2: yeah so they have an incredibly important role to play and so they've got to hold powerful people to account um, and so that is within government but also within the corporate sector i think that sometimes we we forget that it's incredibly important that it's across the board mm. um you know anybody that is in a position of power um, and, and influence should be held to account so it's not to say that they there needs to be uh, you know unnecessarily advers- adversarial relationships with with these people in in, in, in power but mm-hmm. because obviously you need to have information flow in order for people to be held to account, but obviously where where they are where they are not delivering on their promises and where ordinary people are not getting what they need, um, the media has an incredibly important role to to play. Um, I also think what's very important is that we need a diversity of media. In order to hold um, all these different politicians uh, corporate leaders, et etc, to account, because you will get different perspectives from different media, and that's why it's critical that you have your public broadcast, your commercial media, your community media that are holding people particularly you know at local level to account um, so yes I mean the quick answer to that is media has a very important role to play here.
0: And of course, the media isn't seen as very good. It's not always seen as something good in the eyes of the public. So there are many conspiracy theories floating around about the media, of course. One such theory that interests me is about the media being controlled by a certain group of people and being used as a means of manipulating the masses and brainwashing the masses. Your thoughts on this?
2: So, so I mean that is an interesting one, yes. So those those kind of theories are often put out. I mean I think what's very very important to, to sort of note is you know who owns various media um, entities, and I do think it's important to have an understanding of that. Um, and also, it's very important to make sure that um, you know those particular um, owners don't uh, capture their media in such a way that that they basically. I mean, there will be a particular perspective that probably will be will, will
1: be put forward. But
2: what you don't want is is for instance for that media to then um, not report. Um, you know on that particular owner or, or, or not to pick up particular stories that they need to to be to be picking up on and I mean there have been particular questions for instance about a number of media houses but also uh, you know particularly in, independent around that um so i think I think what's important and in fact the particular inquiry that we've got of, as SAMF, um, you know at the South African national editors forum is around looking at media ownership issues and do those media, Owners play um, a role in terms of influencing the content of those media entities, um, you know, in particular ways that when you could actually call capture, that they, they are not reporting without, you know, the journalists within those particular media organizations are then not reporting without fear or favor. So I think we've got to be constantly vigilant around that. We've got to make sure that journalists, um, you know, can tell the stories that they need to tell um, and, and can be critical.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Professor Harbour, how do we strike a line between reporting with a brainwashing agenda and reporting with no other motive but getting the story out there to the public and reporting without fear and or favour?
1: Well, that's very easy. Um, the differentiation is in truthfulness. In fact, um, in basing what one does on a factfulness, on a respect for um, being accurate, factual, and as balanced as possible. Um, that's about informing people. Um, when you talk about uh, propaganda or brainwashing, um, my assumption there is that it's, it's malign disinformation. That's not based on fact or truthfulness. So what we have to do is, is build and rebuild um, the position and scale of journalism, which really means people whose job it is to verify, check, balance, contextualize, um, and produce um, uh, accurate reporting um, rather than something, something that's designed to stimulate thought and discussion and inform thought and discussion rather than just brainwash.
0: Okay, let's leave it there for now. We'll read some of the comments if we can squeeze them in. We'll read them after a quick ad break. But let's go for this ad break. And when we get back, we will turn the focus more towards the role of the media under the lockdown that we are currently experiencing. Stay tuned. Listen to something fresh. Listen to Salam Media. Welcome back. You are listening to the special Focus on Salaam Media. My name is Zahid Jadwit and I'm here with you until 4pm this afternoon. So this afternoon we are speaking about the media in South Africa and for this we are joined by Professor Anton Haber who is an adjunct professor of journalism at the University of the Witwatersrand, a columnist for Business Day and the co-editor or author of three books. Then we have Kate Skinner. Executive Director at the South African National Editors Forum, SANEF. And finally, we have Mary Papaya. She's a board member at the South African Press Council. You can send us your contributions to this discussion by tweeting and tagging at Zahi and at Sala Media. Or you can WhatsApp our studio number on zero six one seven double six zero three double five. Alright, let's continue now. As you know, Kate Skinner, we are currently under a nationwide lockdown. And I would assume that the media is needed now more than ever before. And so my question is, what role has the media played during the period of the lockdown?
2: Well, I mean, they've played an absolutely critical role. Um, uh, you know, and in fact, it's interesting to look at the audience numbers. Um, you know, they, they have like rocketed, I think, during the, during this period because citizens have wanted to get as much information as possible, and that's like very practical information about, you know, what kind of health and safety precautions do they need, need to put in place, what do they need to do if somebody gets sick, um, you know, all, all of that kind of information. But then also, of course, the broad trends. Um, you know, what's happening internationally, what is happening in terms of our own economy. Um, all of that information is is incredibly important so that people can take decisions about their day-to-day lives, but also about their futures. And, and so the media has played a role at all those diff- different levels. Um, and I think that we've seen um, some very good reporting around that. I mean, I- certain point some people have said that, you know, it's possibly a little bit sensational and, and um, you know, it's very important that the media doesn't create panic. Um, and sometimes people say, because there's so much reported about the COVID-19, it, that in itself creates some kind of, of panic. But I think that generally what we've, we've seen is that the media has played a very important role at informing people at all, at all of those, those different levels. Um, and um, And I think you've seen that in the audience numbers.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, Ms. Papaya, what do you have to say to criticism that the media may have perpetuated a hype about the coronavirus pandemic?
3: I mean, I think um, certainly we've heard that come from certain quarters, but I think it's important for us to look at the entire length and breadth of the media landscape. And without any scientific evidence in place, has research um, qualitative and quantitative research not been done? I think so. We need to credit media at this time. Journalists on the ground are working under incredible disruptive circumstances. The the lack of physical distancing means that there is this inordinate amount of focus based on um, technology such as Zoom platforms. Um, doing interviews outside of the office. There's no comfort of studios when it comes to broadcasters. There's no comfort of sitting in the print operations. So it's really disrupted that area. And given these challenges that journalists are facing, I'd like to say that the reporting and the caliber of the reporting has been exceptional from certain quarters. We've seen areas of excellence, certainly in some areas it's wanting, um, but then if you, if you look at why those instances have occurred, they would tell you we've under resourced. We don't have enough people, um, to, um, assist when it comes to certain elements of the COVID-19 virus. So there are challenges. I think overall one has to go back to the drawing board, assume a, a basis of going back to basics, looking at information as we would any other news story and present it in a fair, Credible and effective manner, but I think it's important to understand that because of the different and the varying platforms of media that we have, have, the information that is coming through certainly allows for the public to make up their own mind and to have access to information at this time, which is the most important thing: the access to information around the crisis. And I think from that perspective, media certainly playing its role.
0: Does it not seem as though the media may have pushed a certain narrative in a number of issues? Um, The issue of the coronavirus, for one.
3: Sorry, Ms Papaya. uh, Has the media, uh, please
0: repeat. Does it not seem as though the media may have pushed a certain narrative um, in the coronavirus issue, for one?
3: I don't think so. I mean, I think um, the narratives that we see in are developing around the virus. If you look at, for instance, um, Kate mentioned earlier, the reporting around the human interest, the rural area reporting, that narrative is limited to, to, to media that operate in a certain parameter. Then if you look at the larger analysis, um, the accountability, uh, making sure that information is readily available, we are seeing certain sectors that have a uh, media that have access to enormous resources being able to do that if you look at the public broadcaster for instance information that has come through has been wide and varied um if you look at uh, the, the way the information has been packaged we're seeing a lot of information in different languages so i think it's important to speak from a position of fact to speak from a position of enormous strength in identifying what is the landscape of the South African media at the present moment, and then define whether or not there are areas of improvement. Certainly, I think we can always improve, but I think that the narrative we see in varies on a day-to-day basis. To give you an example, if we look at Covid um, Natal, for instance, um, the, the the highest death toll in the pandemic, what we see in is media taking that particular issue and relating it to what are the real issues on the ground. Rural settlements, rural areas. We're seeing um, ordinary people that are infected. How do you have physical distancing in in, in poverty-stricken areas? So those are the kinds of real narratives that are coming through. Whereas in Kharteng, now you will see a different narrative coming out that speaks to analysis from experts um, involved in in, 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 in the actual uh, pandemic. So I think one has to really look at all the platforms and say, right, which one most appeals to me? If I'm a consumer, I have to look at what's coming out and say, right, I, I like this information, I like that information. Absolutely, I'm not so happy with that. So the fact that we have all of that is fundamentally important into how we, we report on the virus going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Kate, just a question that comes up, it comes to mind now at this moment. It might be possible that certain media outlets are under-resourced, as you could say, and this, of course, would um, hamper the efforts. And so when it comes to funding for media houses, it would be really tricky to decide who funds which media house because, of course, um, there might be fingers pointed as to maybe the funders being um, trying to gain uh, gain influence on the media house. So how do we navigate through this?
2: Look, I think the financing of the media sector is, is really an absolute crisis at the moment. I mean, and something we have to focus on. So if we're looking at, at for instance, advertising, huge amounts of advertising, um, you know, has been lost. So, for instance, the Mail and Guardian, um, basically at the beginning of this uh, um period basically said look we have lost up to 70 percent of our of our advertising funding the citizen just recently said that they'd lost a huge amount of their, their advertising i think it was a, as much as 60 percent um, so so and, and of course that makes these these particular publications and media entities very very vulnerable and i think that um we're probably going to see i mean then at independent for instance they were um basically saying that they're going to cut salaries up to as much as 40 percent because again of issues around advertising etc. But I think I think what we've got to look at um, right now and also post um, this, this um, kind of lockdown period and, and going into the future is what do we do? And there might be, in fact, not might, but will definitely be a need for emergency funds to keep a number of, of media entities going. Um, and so, in fact, at Stanif, we've put together a list of different resources of um, funders from across the world, including some of the big Google, Facebooks, et cetera, um, to say that they need to be looking at, at putting emergency funding in. But then we also just look to need to look at the funding model itself. Uh, because we're having so many problems with advertising generally, um, and therefore we've got to look at kind of mixed funding models, public funding, donor funding. Um, you know, uh, we, we, we really have to focus on this issue because I think it, I think it
3: is a bit of a crisis.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Professor Harbour, what opportunities has the coronavirus lockdown afforded the media?
1: Um, Well, it's been a huge challenge, as as you've heard, to the media. It certainly accelerated um, the crisis of funding and resources in our journalism. Um, But, you know, as I think with with the disease as a whole, it comes a time where it brings things to a head and it makes one rethink things quite fundamentally. So it's also um, provided just a a boost to the evidence of how important the media is, how valuable it is when it plays a positive role at a time like this, how it keeps people connected and communicating and debating and discussing, and hopefully breaks down at least some of the um, uh, isolation um, that we find ourselves in. Um, uh, but it is a time when we're going to have to fundamentally rethink. Uh, how we sustain and grow our journalism. I mean, there's a talk here about the funding of media houses. Um, my primary concern is the funding of journalism and journalists um, and the work they do um, rather than media houses per se. Um, and um, I think we're definitely going to have to address that crisis of uh, funding and support um, to keep journalism going and playing its role. Um, because it's very clear, I would argue, that the marketplace is not going to solve that problem and social and political intervention will be necessary.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, so what do you see in the future of the media and the press in South Africa?
1: Um, I see, I'm afraid that uh, I see this, um, this current crisis accelerating the deterioration of traditional media um, threatening some outlets and some titles, but I see journalists um, continuing to do their work, to do some excellent and brilliant work, and very important work. Um, and I think it's going to force us. You know, w- w- what has been happening in a lot of our journalism is that foundations and philanthropists have been stepping in um, to deal with the fact that the market really. Uh, has not been sustaining the kind of journalism we we, we want and need, and uh, I think we're going to have to um, um, continue to do that and find other ways in which there is uh, financial and political support and 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 communal and community support for for the important role journalism has to play at this time.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, Miss just before we wrap up, quickly. What is it that we should be critical of during this period, um, meaning the lockdown period?
2: What should we be critical of? I mean I think I think the big issue for me that we've got to be careful about is is the spread of disinformation and misinformation. and I do think that the media has a very important role to play in terms of ensuring that if there are kind of crazy, um, you know, disinformation uh, circulating on, on social media, that we play a particularly important role in putting out counter um and supporting, uh, you know, particular platforms like, for instance, the Real 411 platform to to basically say to members of the public, if you see anything that looks dodgy or weird, please make sure that you report it to the real 411 platform. So I think, I mean, of course, there's a whole lot of things that we should be doing. But I think just the, the, the potential for disinformation to be so, so particularly dangerous during a period like this, I think we have an important goal to play as a media. And maybe just one final thing to say, it also shows that, you know, hopefully citizens will have a sense of, you know, when we want fact-checked information, when we want context, when we want to get the credible sources, we go to to, to the media we, we don't just stay on social media and hopefully it's the media will be boosted by that.
0: Okay, um, just quickly, say for about 30 seconds each, your passing sh- shots. Miss Papaya, you can go first, then Professor Harbour and oh. then Kate Skinner.
3: Thanks very much. I think certainly from my perspective, media is uh, media freedom and the role of the journalist is the, is the lifeblood of our democracy. Mm-hmm. It's important that on the ground, all leaders... Uh, whether it's the ground troops themselves, the SAPF, um, are educated to uh, respect the role of the media. And then lastly, to say to media entities, please precaution for journalists, critical, make sure they have their masks and all that they need to do their jobs in a safe environment. Uh, we don't need hostility. Stop the trolling and the cyber attacks on journalists.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, your parting shots, Professor Anton Haber.
1: Well, I think first and foremost, we need to um, rebuild faith and trust in good, professional, fact-based journalism um, and ensure that our society not just encourages but creates space to allow it um, not just to exist but to flourish and play its important role. I think that in the same way, we are fighting an enemy in the, disease, uh, the enemy of disinformation as part of that, um, and, and that is about uh, backing and giving our support and our attention and uh, to credible professional journalists and to tackle the, the deep social problem of those who spread mis- and disinformation.
0: Okay, thank you so much. Kate. your final thoughts and then we may end the show.
2: So, so, I mean, I think we've said an incredible amount. Uh, so my only, only addition to that would be that we need to look very carefully at the financial sustainability of journalism, journalists, uh, because, because going forward, uh, we, we need journalists and we need journalism. So that would be my, my parting shot.
0: Mm -hmm. That indeed is a very important discussion, which I think we should have at a later stage um, soon enough, because it is quite an important um, discussion to be had. Thank you so much uh, to all of you for your time today. Thank you.
3: Thank
0: you. Thank you. All right, that's where we leave it for today. That was Professor Anton Harbour. He's an adjunct professor of journalism at the University of Witwatersrand, And he is also a columnist for the Business Day and the co-editor or author of three books. We also had Kate Skinner. She's the executive director at the South African National Editors Forum. And Ms. Mary Papaya. She's a board member at the South African Press Council. All right, that's where we leave it for today. We were speaking about the role of media in South Africa. So in the beginning, we spoke about the importance of having an independent and free press. Towards the end, the discussion turned towards the media's role during the lockdown, and we also spoke about the challenge of funding for the media. That, I think, is a very important discussion that we should have soon enough. Anyways, it's time for me to leave you th- for this afternoon. Thanks to technical producers Kanyesu Ziyad Melazi and Shazia Zubair. Of course, many thanks to you for joining us this afternoon. It's been an absolute pleasure being your host. I'm Zahid Jadud, and it's a goodbye from me for now.